What's going on, beautiful people? Happy Tuesday to you. I hope you are safe and well. Hope you're off to a great start to your week. And before we get started, before we talk about what's on the episode today, I just want to check in with you all. I want to know how are you doing? If you're watching, I see you. Ashley, Sam, Jeff, Vanessa, Michelle, how are you doing? Russ, Trent, John, how are you doing? Sydney, Chelsea, Sarah, Amanda, how are you doing? I want you guys to sit with that for a second, reflect on it, and just check in with yourself. How am I doing today? Can I be doing more? Should I be doing less? Or am I right where I need to be? So that's your homework assignment, and I will continue. So today's episode is, well, I don't even have the words for it. It is powerful, healing, necessary, so helpful, and so impactful. I have the first love of my life, my mom, on the show. And we get into it. We talk about so many things from childhood, present day, where we want to be. Uh, when I actually film this, I film for three hours. So I'm going to cut it up in half. Part one is today. Part two is next week. And I just wanted to take advantage of the time I have while I'm here on earth and while my mom's here on earth to get to know her more, to again, heal, you know, talk about past trauma, talk about past triggers and patterns and why she is the way she is. You know, we talk about her childhood a lot, um, which you know, we, we unpack how that had an impact on how she raised me and then how that had an impact on me and how I raised my daughter, how I am as a husband, how I am as a, just a person overall. So there were tears shed, there were laughs, and overall there were memories made. So I hope this helps anyone that needs to hear this or watch this today. I feel so much better for having these conversations with her. She does as well. And I'm sure there'll be more to come. So from now until then, again, happy Tuesday. Remember your homework. How are you doing? Everyone listening or watching, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you guys enjoy this one. All righty. What are you going to call this episode? What am I going to call it? Yeah. You know, like you always have something that you call them. Yeah. Um, I don't know. The first episode with my mom. Yeah. Well, I got the shirt, so right. that helps. Here we are in my childhood room from, uh, let's see, 96, 97. So I would have been nine until 17. 18, so like 10 years almost. And to be completely honest too, I wanted to save this um, for the episode. When I was telling Shay about like having you on, um, you know, she's like, what are you going to talk about, blah, blah, blah. And and one of the things I said to her was, you know, I really want to take this time to just also really get to know you, you know, like while we can. You never know when our last days are. And, you know, your heart attack in 2017 was definitely a reminder of that. And I remember 
when we were on the phone saying our goodbyes, which is crazy, you know? So um, I, you know, want to utilize this time, this moment, and um, put a lot of intention in, and a lot of thought. So I got a little outline, and I'm excited. But, Mom, <laughs> welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, for the record, my mom's never seen a full episode, never heard a full episode. You've only just seen Instagram clips? Yeah, just briefly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, which is maybe a good thing, because you don't really have expectations. Um, and I'm like sweating. This this setup was so much. Um, <laughs> everyone should see like what we're looking at right now. But um, yeah, so you've never seen an episode. Um, not because you don't support, but you, you didn't even know what a podcast was. No, and I don't know how to go on my phone the right way. <laughs> yeah. And everything. Yeah. I did one time and then it disconnected me. It was just blank. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. And then um you also don't know how to work YouTube? No, I don't even know. Yeah. So when I come back to help you with your knee surgery, I'll um we can watch it together. I'll show you how to how by that time I should definitely know how to use it. <laughs> okay. So um this might be the first of, of couple episodes that you'll be on and I thought it'd be good to kind of just get into the background um, of you. So where are you from? Tell me about your your upbringing. Well, I'm originally from a little suburb in Illinois called Blue Island, Illinois. Mm -hmm. I was born and raised there. Mm -hmm. My father actually built our home that I grew up in. I don't know if I knew that. And I actually, from the hospital... After I was born, mm-hmm. I came to the house that was, we moved right in oh, after okay. I was born. Yeah. So that was unfortunately in 1948, <laughs> which was quite some time ago. <laughs> but yes, my father did build my child at home. Yeah. And from there, I moved to a few different places. I lived out of state for a short time. Um, Where'd you live? I actually lived in Charlotte, South Carolina. North Carolina? Or North Carolina, I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, yes, for about maybe two months. Oh, that was the... I went to Eastern Airlines. At the time, there was an Eastern Airlines. Yeah. And I was a reservationist. <laughs> and I did like it. Yeah. But the fact that they moved me there, unfortunately, away from my mother, Yeah. I had to come back mm-hmm. because I was still fairly young. Got married. I do have a daughter also. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lisa, and then I met Justin's dad. <laughs> well, married in between there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't don't cut your numbers short. Here. Yeah, well, I, I really don't <laughs> like to talk about it. A marriage is not in the cards for me, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I truly believe in it for other people, but it's just not right for me. Okay. So I don't really like to talk about it too much. Yeah. It's not one of my happiest times. No worries. Well, but before you get into my dad, we'll, um, we'll, we'll, cause that'll be a little bit later and it'll make sense. But, um, also this is your camera right there. If you want to say hi to your friends, there's a couple people who watched it, right? Yes, they do. Actually, (laughs) I could say hi to Carla and I even think that Tammy's watching it. Okay. Just started not too long ago. Yeah. And, um, my granddaughter Gianna, I know, and Brittany, they mm-hmm. both watch it, and my granddaughter Adriana. Yeah. So 
So, hi, guys. <laughs> and I'm sure you're going to enjoy this. <laughs> so, yeah, got a little fan club. Yes. Um, so, first question that I have is, so you have me at 39 years old. Yes, I did. And not to give out your age like that. Yes, but thank you. For the timeline, it'll be good. You don't look your age also. Thank you. Everyone thank you. will be able to attest to that. Um, okay, so... 39 find out you're pregnant what was your thought process like when you found out you were pregnant with me well to be honest when I first found out I fainted (laughs) Um, I actually went to the doctor and they did this ultrasound and he said do you hear that noise and I go I do hear a noise he goes well (laughs) that's your baby's heartbeat oh that's how you found out yeah not like a test no, it was the heartbeat. He did the ultrasound right away because I was almost five months. Oh, my God. Why did you go to the doctor in the first place? Well, because I kind of thought that it was my sister actually studying Mary Jane, that she thought it was I was going through my change of life. Oh. And, you know, people do have what's called a change of life baby, and actually my mother. Change of life baby? Yeah. That's a real thing? Yes, yes. Oh. And my mother actually had my younger brother, Michael. Yeah. Uh, she was 42. Okay. When she had my brother, Michael. And it was a change of life baby. Oh, wow. So my sister suggested, because I was going through a few different changes in my body and what have you. Yeah. And she said, I think you should go see a doctor. She said, I think maybe there's something wrong. (laughs) Well, she was right. Yeah. There was something wrong. Uh, And so anyway, after he said your baby's heartbeat, I fainted right there on the table. (laughs) I couldn't believe it. I was like in total shock. Wow. Because of the age difference. Yeah. You know, there's 18 years between you and Lisa. Yeah. And I never in my life thought that it would be possible to get pregnant again. Yeah. Well, the change of life, baby, is very fitting because it definitely changed your life. Yes, it, al- it did. altered your life. So what yes, at, it did. at 39, so 87. Yes. What did you want to do with your life at that time? Did you have other plans? And then all of a sudden it was a, a rep, uh, abrupt. Well, it was life changing. I mean, <laughs> you know, I used to like to go out yeah. and have a good time because I was still considered young at 39. And you had, Lisa was 17, 18. Right. So you so were I like had a teenager. She's done. I'm good now. Yeah. I can live she my life. She kind of did her thing and what have you. Yeah. So I kind of was at the stage where I thought, okay, now I can really have a good yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. And, and then, unfortunately, and I actually used to ride a Harley. Yeah. So that kind of put a halt on things too. Yeah. So, I mean, I couldn't strap you on the back with me <laughs> as much as I would have loved to. Yeah. But yes, it, it was life changing. Mm-hmm. But as you, like, even five, six, seven years old, mm-hmm. um, it actually was, how can I explain it? It was probably a better experience for me than when I actually had Lisa. Mm because I was younger, much younger when I had Lisa. Oh, yeah. So I was older, of course, with you and more mature. Yeah. So therefore, I took, like, more time with you. Right. Um, And I was home yeah. more with you and what have you. Because you were 22 with Lisa, huh? Yeah, just turned 22. Yeah. Wow. So I was very young. But, of course, I was married, so I had a lot yeah. of help from her father. Yeah. Uh, in this case, I was a single mother. Yeah. And... uh so both being a mother and a father and a working mom, mm-hmm. uh, the time that I did have then to devote to you, yeah. I enjoyed more mm. and probably was more, again, mature. 
yeah. than I was, you know, with Lisa. And probably emotionally and mentally more invested with me because, well, one, I'm sure you figured out at that point, this would be your last. Yes. <laughs> There's no more after this. And then two, like you said, because, you know, I didn't have a father, at, at, you know, around. Right. Um, and, you know, unlike Lisa's dad, you had some help or you could delegate. So with, with my dad, I, I guess here will be the part where we'll put in um, how you met him and, and then the whole pregnancy thing. So um, tell me about that. <laughs> and, and by the way, so really quick, uh, disclaimer for everybody, because what my biggest challenge is going to be with this episode is is making sure I remember that people don't know you. You know what I mean? So I know right. you. So it's I have to remember all these questions to ask. But um, my dad, uh, for basically basically my whole life, he was around like a total of like ten percent. Yes, a total. You know from. Day one, I mean, he was there for the first couple months. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, like I said, he'd be in and out. Yeah. You know, where, and it was hard for you. Yeah. You know, I used to really feel bad. So finally it came to a point after a couple of years where I said, you know, you're hurting him more than Help helping him. him. Yeah. And being a dad to him. Mm-hmm. He's really better off without you. Because he sits by the window, he waits for you, he gets excited knowing that his dad's coming, mm-hmm. and then you don't show up, mm-hmm. you don't call, and he did that a lot. Yeah. So finally I had talks with your grandmother, mm-hmm. and she agreed too, it's best that he just kind of stayed away. So what was his reaction when he found out you were pregnant? He was kind of excited it's hard to say because your dad really is not an excitable yeah. type person. Mm-hmm. So he he really didn't have that much to say. I think he was a little bit because he's younger than me. Yeah. And he was a little bit worried about my age. Okay. You know, to make sure that everything would be okay. So. And he already had my oldest brother. Yes, he did. At that time. But they were in Milwaukee, I think. Yeah, he didn't uh, see them that much because they were further away. Right, yeah. So they didn't have much communication. Yeah. More so, you know, on holidays by mm-hmm. phone. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, he didn't really have any any part of him either. Yeah. That, you know, much. So Yeah. Mm. He so, would definitely not get the Father of the Year award. Yeah. Right. <laughs> in any year. So um how long were you guys together once I was born in like the first couple years there? And and what was that like? Like I know you were kind of touching on it a little bit, but like you know, first couple of years, I know it was rough, but the people don't know. So, well, it, like I said, it was rough because <laughs> the fact that he would say, you know, get Justin ready because I'm going to come over and pick him up and mm-hmm. he was going to keep you overnight or, you know, we're going to go to a baseball game or we're going to go here or there. And then I would tell you and you'd get all excited and he wouldn't yeah. show up. Yeah. So he just was not husband material, right. father material. Yeah. He really was very selfish. He, you know, thought of himself. Yeah. Um, now, his mother, on the other hand, was a big help. Yeah. And she was, like, ecstatic with you. I mean, she was so proud of you. And yeah. She was, and then he had a brother, mm-hmm. and he was a big help. Yeah, Dwight. Yes. Oh, Dwight, he, Angie, they watch. Yes. Yeah, they well, watch the show. That's good, then, because <laughs> I don't know. Dwight, you'll definitely know. And Dwight yeah. was a big help. Yeah. He used to come over almost every day. You know, after school, mm-hmm. and just spend time with us, and have dinner with us, and yeah. Play with you, 
So he was a way, way better person than your dad was. And yeah. I always used to say, oh, my God. Yeah. You know, you're such a big help for me. And he was. Well, they're kind of night and day. Oh, they are. <laughs> yes, they are, definitely. Yeah. But I was very close with Granny. Um, yes. Very close with her. Yes, she and, was. And for everyone listening and watching, that was basically my only grandparent. Because your mom. Passed away. My dad yeah. passed away. Yeah. I think you were like three or four when my dad died. I was in fifth grade. Okay. Well, so I was 10. All right. Sorry. Yeah. And my dad was in a nursing home. Right. And he had dementia. So he didn't yeah. really know us. Exactly. So you never knew my mother or my father. Yeah. Exactly. So unfortunately, yes. And your grandfather. Yeah. Your grandmother's husband. Yeah. You knew him, but you were a baby. And then he passed away. I was going to say, he passed away. Yes. I think I was around maybe your dad's time, yeah, too. Yeah, you were young. Yeah. Yes. So Granny was my only grandparent, yes. and we were very close. Um, she spoiled me rotten. And, I mean, I've, I've talked to Granny here um, the last couple of years. Um, and <laughs> the way she talks about my dad, she loves him, obviously. Oh. But she knows, she always says, he ain't shit. No. She always says that he ain't shit, you know, and so it's it's like really funny, but uh, but yeah, she knew, you know, someone has to fill some of these roles for Justin growing up, yeah. um, but especially when it comes to raising a biracial son, you know, a, a child at that, you know, you're talking late eighties, early nineties, you know, here you are, if anyone's listening and not watching, my mom is blonde hair, blue eyes, <laughs> um. Definitely white. Yeah. <laughs> funny, funny story. Actually, two stories about that. I've, I've said this before. I don't know if you remember this story, mom, but um, I remember, uh, you know, because I was never really close, obviously, with my dad, but even his family, aside from granny and so and, and Dwight. And so, um, you know, I was always around our family, which is all white. Yes. And I remember uh, subconsciously, I like didn't realize that I wasn't white until we were at the grocery store. I've told this story again before. And I remember I was putting like something on the conveyor, but like a candy bar or something. And the cashier um, said, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, honey. You were in front of me paying. And the cashier said, oh, I'm sorry, honey. You have to wait for your mom or dad to come by and pay. And, and I looked at, up at you. I must have been six, seven. And I was like, what the hell is she talking about? <laughs> and she looked at me like, yeah, you know, you have to wait, honey. And I was like, mom. And, you know help her out or whatever. And I remember you kind of gave me a look like I'll explain later. And, and I remember we got in the car and you, you said that to me, you said, um, you know, one day I'll explain to you, you know, kind of thing, what, what happened or what's going on. That was an interesting, um, I mean, obviously I still remember it, you know, all these years later. Um, but I would love to talk about that a little bit more because again, you know, (laughs) the, oh, here's the other story really quick. I remember you were in, um, Foot Locker or something when I was, I was like kind of just started to model. And you walked in with Lisa, my oh, sister, yes. and yes. my posters were up. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Well, I said to the lady, yeah. with, she was up with the shoes, and I said, by the way, you see that poster over there? I said, I know you're not going to believe me when I tell you this, but that's my son. <laughs> yeah. And she goes, you're right. No, I don't believe you. <laughs> I go, really, it is. Yeah. I said, that is my son. And I opened up my wallet, and I showed her a picture. No, but you also had my driver's license. For whatever the hell reason, you had my, I must have left it at your house. Oh, and I remember you told her, I remember you told her, actually here, I have his license to prove it kind of thing. But anyways, the point is, is that we don't, you know, we're, we're, you know, I'm dark, you're, you're light. 
And what was that like? What were you, you know, getting from outsiders looking in? I know um, if you feel comfortable sharing, um, even some family members had a hard time. Our, yes. Your family members had a hard time yes. with me being mixed. Well, I don't think it was, it wasn't just you. It was the fact that, you know, I. Was it the black guy? Married a, you know, I was with the black guy that yeah. got married. Mm-hmm. So, yes, there was some family members of mine that didn't, you know, approve of it. Yeah. Kind of disowned me. Wow. And it, the hardest time for me was Christmas. It was on a Christmas Eve. I think you were about maybe a year and a half, not even, maybe a year. Mm-hmm. And we always, because we're Italian, we have a big Christmas Eve. We mm-hmm. always celebrated at my mother's, my yeah. parents. But then when they died, my sister took it over. So my sister called me that day and she said, I don't know how to tell you this, but unfortunately you're not going to be able to come tonight for Christmas Eve. And I go, why? She said, well, there's a couple of family members that don't accept Donna, unfortunately, what you did. And she said, so you and Justin cannot come. Wow. She said, Lisa can come, but you can't. H- how and old she was did. I? You weren't even maybe a little over a year. Okay. It. Um, and she said, you know, Lisa could come, but unfortunately you can't. And it really wasn't, I felt sorry for my sister because yeah. she was one of the first ones that I told in the family. Okay. And believe it or not, she was like, oh, well, okay. You know, if you're happy, you know, I would like to meet him, mm. you know, and she did. And actually your dad fell in love with her. He so really asked about her all the yes. time. They really hit it off very mm. well. So it wasn't my sister. I, like I said, again, I felt bad. So I said, okay, you know, no problem. And I remember poor Lisa, she wouldn't go. And I kept saying, Lisa, please, it's Christmas Eve, you can mm. go. No, mom, if you can't go, I'm not going. So the three of us, well, of course you were a baby, but we had you in the little seat, I think actually in the swing in the living room. And her and I sat and looked out the window and we had you just there in the seat. And I go, I don't believe this. This is the first time in my, in my life that I ever missed Christmas Eve with my family. Wow. So that was real hard for me, especially because it was hit so close to home. Yeah. Me and my family members. Um, as time went on, I mean, it was hard because back then it was not Acceptable. a black and white situation where people accepted it. Yeah. I mean, I'd be in the car and if I would turn my head, you know, they would just look like and maybe give me dirty looks. And I mean, I had guys sometimes like roll their window down and like put their fist up. I mean, pretty serious things. Wow. If I'd be like in the car, say with your dad. Yeah. Uh, I actually lost two jobs when they found out that I had a biracial son. Oh my God. Yeah. I lost two jobs. I had your picture out on my desk at the one job and I had just started. I think I was only there maybe a week yeah. and I, everyone, you know, have pictures of their kids and what have you, how you put out in your desk. And I brought one for my desk of you. Mm-hmm. And the next day when I went to work, the supervisor called me in her office and she said, I'm so sorry, but she said the owner of the company came in and she said, whose picture is that on your desk? I said, that's my son. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, unfortunately, Donna, she said, we have to let you go. She goes, it's really slow now. And I said, but I just started just a week ago. How could it have gotten so slow? And then I said, it's because of my picture because you know, that my son is biracial and I'm married to a black person. And she didn't admit it, of course, because it would have been a huge lawsuit, but yeah. anybody could have figured that out. Mm-hmm. 
So, and then the next one, too, when they found out you had been real sick. You were kind of sickly for a while. Yeah. When you were a baby, mm-hmm. in and out of hospitals and what have you. So there were times I had to call off because I had no one else to watch you. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, then I lost another job, you know, because of when they found out and mm. what have you. So it, it was rough, you know, just like I said, being in a car, going to a grocery store. Uh, people would stare no matter where I was. You know, but there were a lot of times I will say, uh, and I'm sure if any of your followers or your friends have seen pictures of you as a baby. Yeah. I mean, well, you can even tell now. <laughs> Adorable. I mean, absolutely I'll, gorgeous I'll put up baby. a couple of pictures right here. Everyone can see. Right. Uh, adorable, you know, from day one. And people used to stop and say to me, he's just beautiful. Mm. Oh, my God, you have such a beautiful son. So, you know, there were good times and there were bad times. Yeah. Uh, it was definitely a, a learning lesson for me. That's for sure. Lesson sure. well learned. Sure. Um, but I think getting back to the age that I had you, mm-hmm. again, I'll say, you know, because I was more mature in that, I felt like I always used to say God sent me, sent you to me for a reason. Yeah. Because, again, it was 18 years difference. And I always said that it was because he knew that one day I'd be by myself. And you were there to kind of like seriously look after me. You know, you would do things for me, like, you know, help with the groceries, um, you know, maybe wash the kitchen floor, you know, run the vacuum, because I worked a lot. Mm-hmm. So, like, you were a lot of company for me. Yeah. You know, there were so many nights when I would be alone if I didn't have you. I really became very attached to you because I was older yeah. and, you know, really enjoyed you Yeah, where I enjoyed Lisa, but it was a different type of enjoyment. Sure. It was more kind of like a, like a rush thing yeah. where this was more laid back because I was older and yeah. I didn't go out like I did even when Lisa sure. know, was born because I was so much younger. <clears throat> it's hard to hear that. Um, I didn't, I didn't know it was like that. So difficult to kind of process the racism, but I appreciate you sharing those stories. Um, you know, I, I couldn't help but think you going through all that you went through dealing with racism. My dad wasn't around and a little bit more on that, you know, when he was around, you know, I saw things, I heard things, you know, I experienced a lot of things I shouldn't have as a young child, you know, with physical abuse mental abuse, verbal abuse. Um, it just was not a pleasant environment, you know, with, with the three of us. No, um, it was not a happy home. No. And it really, I can't even say it was a home. Right. Because he didn't make it a home yeah. for us. You know, unfortunately there's, like I said, not to, cause I think now that he's older, I think he's changed. Yeah. Uh, I did see a big difference in him at your wedding, I will say, and I will give him credit for that. Mm-hmm. I think he's sorry yes. for what he did. Unfortunately, he can never make up that lost time all those years. Yeah. But he could try, and I think even by coming to the wedding, that was the first big step. Yeah. And again, I do think he regrets a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is sad because he probably wouldn't have been probably as bad as he was, but he was young in his defense. His mother owned a bar. Mm-hmm. He was a DJ, and that's no kind of a life to seriously, yeah. if you don't have a really strong will, to raise a child. Mm-hmm. And he chose, instead of being at home, 
with his family, he chose to be in a bar. Yeah. You know, supporting his mother, I guess you could say. I don't know what else yeah. to well, call it. And, and all that leads me to say, you know, it just, I can't help but think and question, did you not have any, like, resentment towards me or towards the whole experience and situation? Because here you are, you're, you were 39, 40 years old, you know, you're about to start your life over again, at least the next chapter, and now you're pregnant again, so you have to start all over. You dealt with what you dealt with in racism, getting fired from jobs, not having any type of help, or especially financial support from my dad. Um, was there any, and we, you know, you've told me many stories before about how the lights would be turned off because you didn't have enough money to pay the bills or, you know, there were moments where he would fight to pay child support. I mean, it was the worst of the worst. Did you not, um, if, if you don't mind sharing, did you not have any type of resentment or like? Well, I had a lot of resentment mm-hmm. towards your dad. Okay. I mean, I can't even tell you how much resentment. Yeah. And I mean, this is even sad to say, and sometimes I used to say to myself, how could you think this way it would scare me because of the things that I did go through? And like I said, coming in the door with you in my arms, say on a snowy day and you got a big old heavy snowsuit on and I'm carrying you and I'm coming in from work and I go to flip the switch and there's no lights. Mm. And I'd be like, oh my God, I don't believe this. He's got to do something. And I used to feel bad because I I did rely on your grandmother a lot Mm -hmm. to try and talk to him and to get him maybe to give me some money or whatever until I finally one day saved up enough money and believe it or not, back then it was so cheap compared to what it probably would cost right now. Yeah, I did get an attorney mm-hmm. to go after him legally for the child support. Okay. And I remember I saved up $350 because mm-hmm. that's what I needed. And I did get this attorney. It took a while, but I finally then did get child support. Yeah. But prior to that, because of some of the things that he did mm-hmm. as you were a baby to your credit and what have you, yeah. was just... Sometimes I would think, I'd close my eyes and think, this is a bad dream. This isn't really happening. Mm. He can't be this heartless. And then I would go to him, and I would see him in person and say, please, you know, this is your son. you got to help me. Mm. I don't have it. I don't have it. Because back then he really didn't work. He was always, like, getting involved in things but never worked out Mm. until he finally got a job with the police department. Mm Mm-hmm but still wouldn't give no money. I didn't really get any child support from him until he started working at the post office. Yeah, That's when the child support came. Mm -hmm. So for all those years in between, no. Every now and then he'd give me maybe $50, maybe. But that was so, so rare. So the resentment was not towards you because to be honest with you, I always wanted two kids. Mm. Like, you know, growing up saying, oh, when I get married, I'm going to, I would love to have a, son and daughter okay so when i found out they actually well they had told me that they weren't 100 percent that you were a boy mm-hmm. but pretty close <laughs> to it that they thought you were a boy so lisa and i were really excited she's getting a brother i'm yeah. getting my son yeah. so no there was a lot of excitement and lisa yeah. and her friends i mean they used to come over and get all excited mm-hmm. and they had a baby shower for me. So no, resentment towards you, no. Mm. I enjoyed that time. Yeah. Even when you were born and as a baby and all that. But it was resentment towards your father. The hatred, seriously, that I had for him, 
up until, to be honest with you, your wedding. Wow. Where I could have literally, I hate to say it, but <laughs> I mean, I used to pray some really bad thoughts that yeah. I would hope would happen yeah. because of what he did to us. Yeah. And not even so much me, because, you know, of course, I was an adult, so I could accept it, but it was you. Yeah. I mean, when I used to see you sit on that couch and cry and look out the window and cry because he wasn't there, it was like someone stabbed me. It was mm-hmm. horrible. Because it was hard for me to make that up to you. Yeah. And I'd say, come on, we're going to go for ice cream. or We're going to go to the store and you can get a video game or you could get this. Just to get your mind off that yeah. hurt mm-hmm. that he gave you. Because I don't know if you remember every time, you probably don't. But it was so, so hurtful. Uh, yeah, I mean, I definitely remember a lot. Um, I remember, you know, I was always in sports. So I remember... Um, you know, basketball games and baseball games. And he said he would um, show up, show up. And, you know, during the game, when you're a kid, um, you know, I'm looking up in the stands. I'm looking out, you know, on the field, seeing if he would show up yet, you know. Um, and nine times out of ten, he wouldn't, he didn't. And at, at, at a certain point, I can't remember what age, but at a certain point, I just, you know, <laughs> subconsciously was managing my expectations. Like, you know, he'd say, okay, I'll be there. I'm like, okay, whatever. You know, I wouldn't even have hope anymore whereas before when I did but um you know it's uh, the resentment thing I'm back to that a second you said it was more towards him and you also alluded to when you had me you realized that it happened for a reason and and maybe this is was God saying here you go you know Justin can help take care of you and you're older and stuff and and I, I was thinking about some of our memories back then um from really little to you know everything in between um i mean you and i were attached to the hip yeah um i mean probably my whole reason why um i love interior design is because of you you know we used to watch hgtv yes. together all the time yes um and the I, shopping i was gonna say i remember the pier one <laughs> days uh i still every time i smell a wicker chair it takes yep. me back to our days in pier yep. one um the mall shopping yeah just everywhere yeah as far as designs go, and, yeah, you know what have you. Um, but yeah, I also remember like that. watching Emerald together, the cooking. Oh yeah, we show. definitely did. I, I remember watching Golden Girls. Yes, you know. Yes. Um, yeah, and <laughs> yeah. So we and like you said, as I got to you know teenage years and friends coming over, this was the house. We'd mm-hmm. we'd be playing basketball all day, or you know, and and we'd all be here. And um, you mentioned how there were a lot of times you obviously had to be the father as well you know, um, as opposed to just being the mother because I didn't grow up with a dad. What were some of the things that you felt, you know, God, this is a father's job. This is a man's job for, you know, Justin. Well, actually starting with the sports, I remember when I signed you up for T-ball and I thought, Oh my God, I don't know the first thing about this. (laughs) What am I going to do? You know, I, I don't know how to do this. Mm -hmm. And I remember I called your dad and I said, he's got his first, time going to t-ball could you be there because i don't know if he has questions afterwards what to say <laughs> i'm not a sports person i never was and oh yeah i'll be there yeah i'll be there mm-hmm. well of course i kept turning my head looking too and you know of course he wasn't well it just was that you enjoyed it so much afterwards that all you kept saying is i did good i hit the ball mm-hmm. i did good i hit the ball and you kept saying i was like yeah you know you're you're gonna play baseball you know we're going to keep doing this. Now you're going to come in a couple of days. Mm-hmm. So sports was one of the hardest things. But what did amaze me was 
how you taught yourself basketball. Yeah. Like, not so much even playing the game, but watching it so much on TV that you knew all the plays, you know, the points, all that. You'd be excited, you know, yelling in your room, all that. And I'd be like, geez, he's so small, and he's teaching himself this game. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know anything about it. You know, and you would come out and tell me. Because, again, I'm, I was never a sports person. Yeah. So that was one thing that I, in the beginning I felt bad about, but then the way you taught yourself. Yeah. And just the fact of, like, having a father to talk to when you hit a certain age yeah. when it's time to have that talk. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, I was not looking forward to that. And <laughs> And that, I, that age, by the way, yeah, uh, was probably a lot younger, maybe, than you thought. Or yeah. m- maybe you didn't know. Although, there were a lot of girls well, in and out of the house. So yes, maybe. yes, there was. <laughs> and I know there were times when I would come up in your room, and all of a sudden, the, the computer would go off like it would be black. And I'd be like, why do you shut that computer off? And then it started dawning. I'm like, uh-oh. Yeah. So then I started, like, knocking on the door, because I thought maybe it's time I started Privacy. Knocking. Yeah, I don't just barge in. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and then, of course, yeah, the girls coming in the windows and things like that. Uh, <laughs> Hiding yes, in the closet. Yes, yes. I remember the one time when I go, I know someone's here. Don't lie to me. And I remember I came in your room and I slid that closet door <laughs> and there she was. The one right behind you. Yes, yes. Okay. So things like that is when I miss your dad, you know, not yeah. being able to talk to you. And but then. Because of his past, I thought maybe he's not the best role model mm-hmm. to talk to you about. But I I wanted to, you said you said my dad's like past and stuff like that. I want to get into, you know, I, I've said very often on this show, you repeat what you don't repair. And I want to bring that up here more so for like childhood things. So when you grew up, what was your relationship like? with your mother, with your father, as far as love languages, as I um, caught you up to speed on this morning. (laughs) Um, The five love languages. Yeah. So when I was, you know, a a child with, you know, with you, your primary love language was gifts. You know, whenever I would do really good on a test or a baseball game, basketball game, et cetera, you would buy me gifts. Yes. And you mentioned that's kind of how you were raised. Yes, it is. It was, rather. Um, my father, again, was a builder. Um, and my mother was a housewife, mm-hmm. stay-at-home housewife. She was not a warm, affectionate person, mm-hmm. by no means. And I really could never understand, because she had like six six or seven sisters, I think six. Mm-hmm. And they were all just as lovable and kind and warm-hearted and everything wow. that you could ever want in a mother. Mm. And I had one particular aunt that she was more my mother than my mother. Mm. And she used to say to my mother, you got to warm up to her. Give her a hug. You know, give her a kiss. You know, tell her you love her. I seriously, and I feel bad saying this mm-hmm. for my mother, but she was not an affectionate person at all. Yeah. I really don't remember from her or my father mm-hmm. when or if they ever told me they loved me. Ever? No. Mm-mm. Wow. I really don't remember. No. What about Aunt Mary no. Jane, Uncle Pee Wee? 
No. Michael. So no. The, to any of their kids? No. No. Wow. No. They were not parents like that. And again. So was it like tough love? I mean. I mean, I can remember times, sometimes when my dad would be sitting in his chair and he'd be like, come on, Donna Jean, come and sit on, you know, daddy's leg or whatever when I was little. Mm-hmm. But that would be it. Mm. I mean, nothing like, um, again, no real. Love and affection. No. And especially my mother. Wow. She was she was probably the worst. So how, if at all, did they show you love? Come on, I'll take you shopping. Mm-hmm. I'll buy you a new dress. Right. I'll buy you a new bike. Yeah. Or I'd wake up and my dad would say, come on, look what's on the driveway. It'd be a new bike. Did you feel loved? Or a little buggy for my dolls. Did you feel loved when that happened? Yeah, I mean, I have to say I did. To be honest with you, I guess because I didn't know any better. Right. It really didn't bother me. Right. You don't know what I, you have. Exactly. Not, yeah. The only thing I will say, I was very close to one of my girlfriends that I grew up with. Mm-hmm. And when I would go to her house, I'd be like, gee, they, this is really a loving family. Yeah. I mean, her mother would give her a hug at the stove, like if she'd be stirring, say, the sauce or something on the stove for her mother or washing the dishes. Mm-hmm. They were more of a loving family. And I'd be like, hmm, this is really nice. I wonder why. She don't mind staying home and yeah. stuff, you know, where I always would ask, could I please stay overnight right. at so-and-so's house? Or, you know, even my aunt, the one that was I was really close to. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know really any better. You, to be honest with me, probably brought it more to my attention when you would start questioning why I wasn't very lovable with you, mm. why I didn't always tell you that I loved you and, do you remember how, how old I was when I was? No, I mean now, in the past few years that oh, you brought this it, up sorry. to me. Okay. And brought it more to my attention. I'd be like, mm. yeah, no, you know, now that I think about it, I don't remember if my mother ever told me. Yeah. But see, again, back then, I didn't know any better. Yeah. So well, I just went along with it. Yeah. You know. It's, it's interesting because how did you feel when you're watching your parents who aren't affectionate, aren't loving give your daughter love and affection and time how did it make you feel i just was so happy oh that they were like so much in love with her like okay like they were so happy with her you never questioned like and how it, come you couldn't do this for me no no because the happiness that i saw from my mother and my dad it was like jeez yeah, so that's really interesting that you say that because I remember me, you, um, and Lisa have talked before about, because I kind of had this theory. I'm like, I wonder if it skips a generation of like love and affection because your parents never right. gave it to you, but they gave it to Lisa. And like you said, everyone else is kids. And, you know, that's because I, I thought about it because of me and Adriana and Gianna and Brittany, yes. my, you know, my yeah. nieces. Yes. And I was like, because that's why I asked you, how did you feel when your parents gave your child love and affection but couldn't do it to you? I used to think the same thing. Like, I don't understand how my mom loves and, and is obsessed and adores and spoils her grandkids, but I never got the same love and affection. I got the being spoiled and I got the gifts for a love language, but I never got the touch. I never... Um, the verbal. Got the, yeah, what words of affirmation. Yeah, I, I did get the quality time. Yes, yes, you did. Because, again, we, we spent a lot of time right. together. Um, and the access service, um, I didn't necessarily really get that. But anyways, so I was thinking, I'm like, maybe it, like, skips a generation. But here's the thing, and, and I would love to talk to you about this, which is 
and it just took us an hour to get here. This is like one of the main things I wanted to ask. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. But as much as you wished you got love and affection from your parents, I wished the same thing from you. And as much as you got gifts that, and that's why I asked you, did you feel loved when you got these gifts? And you're like, uh, yeah, but I didn't know any, any different. I didn't know any different either until I got older. And ironically enough, talk about who can relate. That's how I was with my friends at their house. I would see JP and I would see his parents and I would see uh, other friends, uh, Dan's Damn. family. And I'd be like, oh, wow. Because the only time I saw it was through them and through TV. TV shows. And I used to think, obviously you couldn't do anything about the two parent household, but I used to think, wow, how nice would it be to have a family home dynamic, family dinners, you know, uh, all those things. And so as I got older and now, cause when I was, you know, 10, 12, 15, don't get me wrong. I wasn't going to trade in those Jordans for anything. I wasn't going to trade in the PlayStation games or anything, but now that I'm older and I'm doing a lot of work for myself, I realized, man, I, I really needed, instead of all these gifts, I just needed a love and affection that I never really got from my mom. And that's when I started to think about, because I was talking to my therapist about this. I'm like, I don't understand. She gives it to her or her grandchildren. And my therapist said, well, it's probably because she never got it. And, and it made me think like, okay, so she's repeating instead of repairing. Mm-hmm. But it's ironic because you know how it felt to not get the love and affection from your parents. So you just thought this is how it is. kind of Right. Thing. Growing up, you know, I just thought, I mean, I would see my other cousins. Yeah. And now I don't think that really. Well, sorry. So you were saying like with your friends, you saw that and you were like, yes, oh. Yes. A couple of my girlfriends. Yes, they yeah. did. Yeah. And also when I would a lot of times say maybe want to give you a hug good night or a kiss, you'd be like, okay, man, I'm getting older now. Okay, man, that's okay. Mm. And you would kind of pull away from me. Did you feel rejected? No, I just thought because you're quiet and you just didn't, you felt mm. like uncomfortable. Well, See, I, I never need... felt that you, like when I would hug you or yeah. sit on the couch and I'd say, come on, come let me, and you'd say, no, ma, and you'd yeah. like move back away from me. So I just thought, well, that's because you're like a loner. Yeah. Basically, I was very quiet, very shy. Yes. Believe it or not to everyone. Uh, yes, you <laughs> were. It's a total yes. opposite here. Yes. Right? But I only asked if you felt rejected because I noticed that at times where I will try to be, you know, loving and affectionate with Adriana. If she's a little standoffish at all because of my past and, and you know, my struggles with affection and touch and all that. Um, I feel rejected and then I kind of close off. So that's why I was asking you if you ever felt like, because it's a lot of times for me, it's subconsciously. I don't even realize I'm doing it in the moment, but I'm like, oh, I'm rejection. Okay. Guard up. But I'm like, well, this is my daughter. There, there is no guard. There shouldn't be a guard, but it's a really tough challenge. You know, again, this is all subconscious. Now I'm very aware of it and I, I'm 
conscious and I try to make a, um, an effort, you know, more so whenever I have her, but, um, you know, full circle here again, it's, it's you repeat what you don't repair and everything in me is trying not to repeat, um, you know, not giving affection. Uh, I'm basically, I'm trying to break lineage curses from your parents to, I don't even know how they were raised, Right. you know, now we know how you were raised. I'm sure my dad, which I'll get into that maybe another time, how he was raised. I know granny wasn't that affectionate with him as he got no. older, I think. No. So there was a, there's a lot going on here that I'm trying to break. I'm trying to end the cycle and, you know, obviously I have my daughter. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of practicing with her with all of this, but then when Shay and I have more kids, but that's, you know, it's really important for, I think, me to hear these things from you because it helps me understand a lot more. It helps me process and see the other perspective. And, you know, for the record, too, you know, you and I have talked about, um, you know, I, I think there's times where you think I only remember the bad or what I didn't get or anything like that. But that's not the case at all. I just focus on those things because I'm trying to heal from those things, right? right. I always have good memories of us, always. Mm-hmm. But when I talk about the bad or I ask certain questions like, how come you didn't do this for me? How come you didn't give that for me? It's only to understand. It's only to heal. And it's only to um, not repeat. That's all. It's not even a, a, a knock on you at all by right. any means. So just just so you know that. But the other question I want to ask, and this is something that I know is very popular um, you know, with my audience, and I've brought it you know, to the table a couple of times. My one of my biggest confusions with you, and I would love for you to answer this, is you are so easily able to tell the world about how proud. Oh, JD, I'm so proud of him, and and he's this, he's so handsome, and he's he's doing so well in his career, and I'm just so proud. I'm just so proud. Oh, he's just he's just the best. But you only tell me that a once or twice a year. And it's always in the form of a card, whether it's Christmas or my birthday or, or now text. or now Father's Day is very rare with the text or I'll comment on your Instagram posts. Yes, but but just so you know, and I've I've had this conversation with Shay because she'll text me things too, and I said, "Honey, I I appreciate that," and, and for you, Mom, as you're sitting here, I appreciate that. But in a perfect world, I'd rather you just tell me face to face. Why is it so easy for you to tell the world about me? but you can't tell me about me. You can't, you can't give me. It's always, you're going to tell other people more so than you actually tell your child. Yeah. You know, I just think that's kind of a thing with parents. Well, like, yeah. How much do you tell Adriana? All the time. I tell her all the time. And here's why, because I know how it feels to not receive it. Okay. (laughs) So, well, I I don't know. You know, maybe it's, it's too hard for you right now because your friends are young and their kids are still young. Mm-hmm. But maybe someday when they get older, maybe you might say, you know, did you ever tell Susie when she was growing up, like mm-hmm. how proud you really were of her? Or, mm-hmm. you know, did you praise her a lot, you know, like verbally face to face? Yeah. Because I, I just don't think that something, even say like Lisa, if you asked your sister mm-hmm. how often she tells Brittany or Gianna, I don't really, I don't really know I've seen her though, and I definitely see Art, her dad. Or well, their dad. Art, yeah, he definitely yeah. Art. But I, I just don't think it's something that yeah. I don't know. Maybe that I'm used to doing, or again being around yeah. that. I don't know. Well, like I said, when I get these birthday cards or Father's Day cards, and I read these beautiful messages that you write, and I'm like, 
Well, I think it's easier for me. My thoughts come out. Okay. Better like writing. Okay. Say, um, even like when I had to do the. The video uh, tribute. The birthday. Right. Yeah. Like that made me nervous. Okay. You know, and I, when I got done, I thought, wait a minute, I could have said this, yeah. that. But it just was something that I don't know. I yeah. maybe kind of freeze up. Even like with Shay. Mm. That girl says the most beautiful things to me. I yeah. mean, she really does. Mm-hmm. But she also writes more yeah. in a card or a text. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's a little bit of shyness okay, in a way. Yeah, well, for me, because I, I can get this way too. I know it comes from the fear of getting hurt. Because the closest ones to you can hurt you the most but i wouldn't hurt you if i no, no. so so hear me out no 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 of course but hear me out so for example um let's say you i'll use this this metaphor here put yourself out on the line we'll just roll with this for a second and you told me face to face how proud you were and so on and so forth and i reacted the same way i did with the kentucky derby winnings you would be hurt you'd be like, damn, like Justin, it was really hard for me to come to you and tell you how I feel about you. And you just act like I asked you if you wanted a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, Mm. (laughs) you know? So that's what I mean by being hurt because you love me so much. I love you so much. You and I, no one can hurt me more than you. No one can hurt you more than me because that's how close we are. That's what I mean by the closest ones to you can hurt you the most. And I I got all this from Bill, my Chicago therapist. Um, Because I was telling him about Shay and I'm like, I'm really having a hard time fully letting her in and this was uh like three months ago this wasn't that long ago and he said the closest ones to you you know can hurt you the most and he said justin think about it look at your dad and what happened look at your stepdad mike mitch even your ups and downs with your mom so the closest ones to you have at a certain point in time hurt you and they hurt you the most he goes so when you think about another person getting really close to you and your wife you, your subconscious mind thinks about those experiences, thinks about, wait, we've been here, done this before, and look what happened. So that's all for you. I don't, I don't know if it's something maybe you, when you were younger, went to your mom and dad or teenage years or early 20s or whatever, or husbands, you went to these people and expressed yourself and maybe they didn't receive it the way you wanted them to and it hurt you and you started to build up a wall. And, and, that's, you know, you don't have to answer that right now. My, it's a lot to process unless, unless it registers at all to you and you want to talk about it. Um, but that's what I've been kind of learning. And so it made sense to me. I'm like, this is why my mom has such a hard time expressing herself to me. Like she does to her friends or she does in a card because, you know, we're that close. So it actually made me realize like how much you love me because you don't really um, say it. I, I kind of like made sense of, of I put the pieces together kind of to your puzzle. Um, I wanted to talk about you said the video tribute for my birthday. So this past year I had a quarantine birthday basically. And Shay put together this beautiful um, birthday video tribute. She did. All my friends and, and family and close <laughs> loved ones um, had some really beautiful things to say about me. And when it came to your video and you had some really nice things to say and, I, and I've, I've heard a lot of them before. Um, but you did say something that not only had I never heard before, but I've never heard a mother say this about a child. Do you remember what you said? No. Oh. You said, um, you're like my soulmate. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. Um, 
And when you said that, I remember thinking, I definitely need to ask her more about this because when I think of soulmate, it's romantically. Exactly. Um, so what did you mean by that? Well, because of from the time I had you from day one. Again, I knew, I used to ask myself many times why before I had you, mm-hmm. when I found out I was pregnant, I used to say, why, God, why would you do this to me? Mm. You know, at this time of my life. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I'm going to get through this and what have you. Mm-hmm. There were many nights I would stay up wondering this. Well, then when I saw you when you were born, I said to myself that day, I go, it was just me and you in the room. And I said, this is why. This mm-hmm. little baby is like my soulmate. Mm-hmm. He's going to be my like everlasting person that I could probably, as a male figure, probably mm-hmm. ever really love that much because I knew that you would never hurt me. Something just told me that because the way, again, that I had you under the circumstances, Mm -hmm. which were not the best, um, I just felt that it was going to be like a bond that you and I would have all our lives. Mm. You know, like sometimes I feel bad because like every time when I talk to you on the phone or if you're here and you leave, whatever, and you say, okay, my, I love you. I'll say, okay, love you. We always say that to each other, always. Mm-hmm. But your sister, I don't. Mm. And I feel so bad sometimes because I think, why can't I say that to Lisa? Now, I don't understand. Why Why do I have to think about it? Why doesn't it just come out? But see, it doesn't. And it bothers me because, I mean, there was a time where Lisa and I, we weren't that close, of course. Yeah. But we're the closest now that we've ever been to. Yeah. And I think she's done so much for me in these past few years. And again, the closeness and the things we've shared yeah. together. Mm-hmm. That I think, why can't, why do I have to think about this? Like when I'll be leaving her house. Mm-hmm. Like I want to say, and then I don't. And I'll get in my car and think, well, why didn't I tell her I loved her? Are you afraid she won't say it back? No, sometimes she does say it to me. She'll say it first. Okay, my yeah, all right, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Okay, love you. I'll be like, okay, love you too. So she she has to say it first. Yeah. But for me just to say it, no, I can't. I don't know. I I don't know why. Well, I think. I don't know why. I, I just wonder, like I said, if it's a fear of rejection, maybe. Although it's it's crazy to fathom that our that our kids could reject us, but again, as I mentioned with Adriana, but they can, yeah, and reject, yeah, they yeah. totally can. But yeah. there's different levels to rejection, whether it's not answering the phone when if I'm calling or you're calling, or not saying I love you back, or not showing up, and so on and so forth. But um, I think for you, it might be a slight fear of rejection in some way, shape, or form. I think it's some way of um, fear that she won't say it back. You know, and well, I don't have the fear that she won't say it back. Okay, because like I said, she normally will initiate it. You know, she'll say, "Okay, never on the phone." I remember this one time. Oh my gosh, I remember like it was yesterday, and it's probably been about six, seven years ago. And she did call me one night. She goes, "Ma, I just want to tell you something." I go, "Yeah, well, mm. something wrong?" No, ma. I just want to tell you, you know, my, I love you so much. Mm. And I just, I just had to tell you this, my, 
And I'm like, Lisa, are you okay? Something wrong? Yeah. Because she has never in her life, never, ever done that. Wow. And she just kept saying it over and over. I just got to tell you about how much I love you. Mm. And I kept saying, Lisa, please, is something really wrong? Yeah. She's like, no, man, just listen to me. Mm. And I, I just was shocked. Mm. Totally. And I'll never forget that as long as I live. Yeah. So, see, I, you know, I don't know. Well, I think what, in that particular case with Lisa, um, obviously she was feeling the same thing you are. Like, I wish I could say it more. Yeah. Or I wish I could be the yeah. one who starts it, initiates it. I need to tell her more often. You know, life is short kind of thing. And right. so I'm sure it all kind of. But if you could just understand, that's just me. You know, I'm just not. Now, again, with my grandkids, I don't know. I, I don't know what it is. Well, yeah. I guess I feel that because they're young, although Brittany, of course, mm-hmm. isn't older, and so is Gianna getting older. Mm-hmm. But know that they would never hurt me. Like, and yeah. I just have such a closeness with these girls that. Do you think me and Lisa can hurt you? Yeah. Is that a fear then that you have? So that's why you're maybe not as affectionate or verbally. Yeah, because, I mean, there's been times where you both have. Yeah. You know, hurt me really bad. Mm-hmm. Um. You don't, you don't forget how that no, feels. I can't like get that out of right. my head. Yeah. You know, I ask sometimes, I pray to God and say, please just let me get all these bad things mm-hmm. out of my head. I don't mm-hmm. want to think anymore like this. Yeah. Sometimes it goes away, but then there's times that it doesn't. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes it's hard for me too. Not Lisa, maybe as much, but with you, but I, I do understand, especially today with all this. Oh. Long the state, what have you? Yeah, I guess that yeah, you are really busy when you get involved, <laughs> and now I understand why I don't get the phone calls. Yeah, like I used to, but for a while, you know, I'd say because Lisa would say, "You talked to Justin?" I said, "No, mm-hmm. I don't even remember mm-hmm. when the last time." And I don't like to say that because then I think, "Jeez, I don't even remember when my son called me last." Mm-hmm. That's terrible. Mm-hmm. Or I'll call you maybe for a couple of days in a row and you don't call me back. And I think, what if I really wanted to ask him something or talk to him? Yeah. And he doesn't call me back. So see, as a mother, mm-hmm. too, that's hurtful. Sure. You know, to me. Because, see, I always go by that rule. You could make a phone call in two seconds. Mm-hmm. You could say, I'm busy, but just so you know, I'm thinking of you. Okay, bye. Mm-hmm. But when you constantly, like, don't answer, mm-hmm. then you, you wonder, like, well, Maybe they just don't want to be bothered. So then I kind of feel well, I'm not going to call because I don't want to bother them. But you know? Ma, it's also because you're hurt. Yeah. So there's a little bit yeah. of like, well, then forget it. You know, because every time when I when I do call yeah. back or yeah. we do end up talking after a couple of days. Uh, and by the way, if people are listening like, oh, my God, I only talk to my mom once a month. But anyways. <laughs> um, but you got to understand how there was a time when you and I talked every day. Exactly. So we conditioned our relationship to be that. But. Um, when I do finally call you back, you know, you have this really bad habit and Shay now is, is a witness of it too. And Gianna, my niece, um, you give us this guilt trip. You know, oh, well, huh? Yeah. I was starting to worry. Yeah. Was, yeah I mean, you're just still your mother. I didn't know if I had a son. And I'm like, oh, well, my God, I, <laughs> I mean, that's just the way I feel but sometimes. Again, no offense to you, but here you are retired. And as you saw today on, on the grand scale of everything, this was 20% of what I normally do. Yeah. 20%. You haven't even seen me editing. Ask Shay how busy I am, you know? So 
It's not that I'm doing it deliberately. And here's something I know you can attest to and, and agree with. When we do eventually talk, we talk for two, two hours. Three hours, yeah. Three I hours. I will say that. Yes. Yeah. So it's not that I'm trying to ignore you. It's not that I'm um, rejecting you at all. It's nothing to do about that. It's just literally, I am. I have three jobs, essentially. I model still full-time. I have this show. I have the other show. And I, I, now I'm like, I'm married, so I'm like trying to give whatever time I have to Shay. I'm trying to call each I'm just trying to make my rounds. So it's, it is more difficult now than it was before with modeling full-time. That's all I did. Right. You know, I would work once a week, and the other six, I'd be maybe right. working out and seeing the family, but that's about it. So it is different now, but again, it's the truth is, is that you probably feel a little bit of a rejection, like, oh, well, if he doesn't want to talk to me, then fine kind of thing. But at the end of the day, I wonder, my question to you is, um, it's back to you not being able to tell Lisa first that you love her. It's you not, you know, instead of thinking like, oh, man, of course, Justin, you know, hey, uh, JD, I'm thinking about you. I love you. I know you're busy. Whenever you get a chance, just call me. Instead, it's like this guilt trip. It's a protection of your heart. You're protecting your heart. It hurts to not talk to me. It hurts to not tell Lisa you love her. It hurts not to receive that, especially because the way you grew up, especially your relationship, your um, experiences with men, right? You never received love. No. That actually makes me That makes me really sad. That's because everything makes sense when I when I go to therapy and I'm I'm like getting through all these layers of of trauma and hurt and experiences and and it puts everything in perspective, like the way you are, how difficult it is for you to give love, and more importantly, how difficult it is for you to receive love. You know, like I remember. Um, I have like a handful of uh, like really affectionate moments with you. I mean, like a long hug, tears were shed. Um, the first time was when you bought this house. Uh, I remember that moment in the living room. Um, it, we might as well have won the lottery. You know, like it, it was a feeling like, we did it kind of thing, you know, cause we lived in an apartment my whole life. I know how bad you wanted to get me a driveway so I can play basketball in the yard. I can play in and so on and so forth. Um, that was a moment I'll always cherish and always remember. Um, I think one of the moments after that was when I was living in New York. Um, and I came home for the first time. It was Christmas. Yeah, yeah. I hadn't seen you at that point. Came into the garage door. Yeah. From May to December, which is the longest time we've, not seen right. each other. Yep. And that was an embrace. Um, yeah. Maybe the longest embrace I've ever had with you actually, but yes. also too, um, you know, one of the moments that's very significant was October, uh, 2017 when you had your third heart attack and that was, you know, quadruple bypass surgery. And there was a lot of concern, a lot of worry, a lot of talk, about um you maybe not making it and i remember at that time on the phone um i was in spain with shay yeah. and um 
I was trying to get home ASAP and I had this job in New York and I had to do this job. And um, the day of the job was actually the night before um, the night, the night before your surgery. And I remember the, um, the doctor was kind of telling you like, you know, Hey, you might want to call your people and um, just have a conversation. And I, I remember thinking um, when I talked to you, I was, I was at JFK airport outside waiting for my Uber, <laughs> having this conversation with you, which for all intents and purposes could have been our last one ever. And I remember in that moment, just thinking like, there's so much that I want to say to you. There's so much I haven't said to you. And there's so much more that I want to know about you. There's so many more conversations I want to have. There's so many more memories I want to share. And like, there's no way that this is it. I remember thinking like, I know I'm supposed to say goodbye forever, but I'm like, there's no way. Um, And that was just a a moment for me, which here we are four years later, which kind of sparked it because like, I I remember thinking with the show, I'm like, I don't know when it's going to be time. Um, and, no, and, and I, <clears throat> you don't, but the only thing that I will say, and I think actually from that surgery, I, I really did learn a lot. Because if you think you were scared, trust me, not only was I fearing never seeing my kids again, Yeah. not only did I... That night when all those doctors came in that day and said, you know, because my family, everybody was there. Mm-hmm. Daddy, Steve, everybody. Yeah. And I said, but my son, I, you know, I said, he's in Spain. What am I going to do? He said, I suggest you get him on the phone. Yeah. So that was probably one of the hardest times of my life. I mean, to call you and say, I, I don't know what to say. What do you say <laughs> when you think you're going to die? I mean, I don't know. And then to my granddaughters, I remember seeing poor little Gianna crying. She was holding on to my feet like at the end of the bed. Brittany just rubbing my arm and saying, Grandma, it's going to be okay. And she was crying. It, it was just awful thinking I would never see these girls again. Yeah. But that's why conversations like this, conversations that we have over the phone, even talking to my dad more now, um, conversations with him, I'm always learning i'm I'm obsessed with learning i'm obsessed with getting better i'm obsessed with living up to my potential that i know that i have i'm obsessed with um being the best father best husband best son so on and so forth and that's why like i said in that time in new york when you were in the hospital about to have your surgery i remember thinking there's so much more i i have to know i, I want all these answers to these questions and a large part of who i am as a husband and who I've been as a boyfriend in the past. Um, I know I have a lot of your traits. I have a lot of my dad's traits. I don't know so much about your dad's. I definitely have his temper. What The temper? Stubbornness. Although you're, I don't know who's worse. You were well, right. Yeah, no. Stubbornness, <laughs> you definitely get that from both of us. I don't know. You might get 75% from me. But what I mean as far as, we talked about this, this uh, experience that you had um 
when I asked you, you know, like the love and, and what was that like and who and and you mentioned this one guy, his name is relevant, but you mentioned this right. one guy in your experience. Let's talk about that. Well, he just really made me feel loved. Mm-hmm. You know, he would do little things that most guys will do when they say want to date you or they've been dating you for a little while. Mm-hmm. And I never received that kind of a feeling before. How old are you? 37. 37? Mm-hmm. 37 years old, and this is the first time you're feeling what you think is love. Well, I mean, when I was young, of course, I thought my first love. Sure. But then that turned out to honestly be kind of a train wreck because he was so abusive mm. mentally and physically. Yeah. Uh, so that just didn't work out. And it was a nice feeling. I mean, it really was. I used to like love to get up and go to work because I thought maybe he's going to come in the office today. And mm. he would do things with me and yeah. like hold my hand. Uh, do you need anything? Like, you know, whatever, you may go to the store, you need me to fix your tire in your car, or, mm-hmm. or he'd be there and say, I'll fix it, don't worry. I never had anybody like that. Mm. Now, probably the next person I would say would be Mike Mitch. Yeah. He was my next go-to person. Yeah. So those two people are probably the only two people that I truly, really loved. Yeah. You know, I might have thought I had other loves, mm-hmm. but not like them too. And the first one, as you found out, had a girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I always seem to, and it's sad, be attracted to men that cheated mm-hmm. or drank mm-hmm. or didn't like to work. But more so, I want to talk about how, because I believe you are responsible for who you attract. It is our responsibility. So, and I'm also responsible for, because I'm not healing from my past and learning from my mistakes, I continue to repeat the same patterns. A lot of what you shared today and what we talked about this morning, you know, you repeated the same patterns. Like you said, you would attract a certain type of guy, but that all stems from childhood because of what you lacked from your dad, never receiving love. So the first person that does you become you infatuated. Yeah. You get swept up, yeah. swept off your feet. Mm-hmm. And they can do no wrong in your book. Mm-hmm. And you make excuses. You hear it, you, you say, exactly. no, that's you're true. in denial. You make excuses for it. Because you accept them because you're so excited. Yeah. So and, you accept them for what they are. And with all due respect, Mom, it's you become desperate mm-hmm. because you've lacked it for so long. You're like, I'll take anyone that can give me love, affection, time, so on and so forth. So when they finally yeah. do, you can't help it. And it, again, understanding these things more makes me understand you more. But have you ever thought about that before as far as, you know, what you lacked from childhood is subconsciously what you were seeking in relationships and romantic relationships? Well, the only thing I thought of always that just to be loved, you know, just to have someone, again, Mm -hmm. care for you. Especially because, again, my first actual person that I did love mm-hmm. from a grade school, high school relationship, you know, hurt me so bad and, and did so many things to me that I couldn't believe that could happen. Yeah. So that kind of scarred me for a long time. Right. right. You know, so it took a, a lot for me. Mm-hmm. And then it, it always seemed like 
and probably somewhat to this day, that I always would find someone that I had to help. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whether it be for a place to live, mm-hmm. financially, to put food in their mouth, mm-hmm. to buy them a car, to find a job, mm-hmm. no matter what. I always had them like lean on me like I always had to be. Like I never found anyone that would really take care of me. So what did that do for you that you you were so quick to take care of everyone else but not yourself? Why? It's, I don't know. It's just the kind of person that I was. I guess because I, I accepted that because I didn't want to be alone. Yeah, it was a distraction. Yeah, so I thought, well, okay, you know. Mm-hmm. Like they would always start out good, mm-hmm. but then they would end up where, oh, I need this or I need that yeah, or, you know, what have you. Never really um, took care of Donna. Mm-hmm. You know, I was always the person. Well, it's interesting because, I mean, I can relate to you because I, I would do that um, in relationships too. Um, but what I'm trying to get at is I didn't love myself, truly. I would spoil myself. I would buy nice things. I would take trips. I would do all that. But, like, to the core love, I didn't. And the other thing that I realized was is I didn't really feel worthy of receiving love. And I also didn't feel deserving of it. So because I would feel these things, they would come out in relationships. And so I wonder for you, because maybe if you didn't necessarily love yourself or feel worthy of receiving love because you never had or deserving of receiving love because you never had it, maybe you just thought, well, it is what it is. But for the men coming into your life, they can sense this. They can see this. They can feel this. So they're like, not they never tell you this, but they're thinking, Donna doesn't even really love herself, so she's not going to know. It's not going to really bother her, you know, if I don't really respect her or anything like that. And and they would treat know. you the way that they would because you didn't love and respect maybe yourself enough to have self-worth and say, hey, you know what? I'm not okay with this. I'm, I'm not accepting of this. The way you treat me is not okay. Even though you would sure say that in, in times, but you would keep letting them back in. And whenever they would right. hurt, I won't do it again. I'm sorry. I've learned. Right. And they would just keep repeating it. But because you never stood up for yourself, they would, you allow people to treat you how you want them to treat you, how you, how you want to, you know, allow it. And because you would allow it so much, they just yeah, kept thinking. Right. And you're the only one that can put an end to it. Exactly. You know, exactly. And I guess I never did because I always had the fear of being alone. That's really the bottom line. Yeah. I just did not, you know, want to be alone. What was your fear of being alone? I think I always worried. Well, no, I wasn't so much worried. I just wanted to be like everyone else. Like have the nice family life. Mm-hmm. Have the closeness of a husband. Mm-hmm. Um, Just to have what kind of my parents didn't have. Like I never saw my father kiss my mother. Mm-hmm. Or I never saw my mother and father sit on the couch next to each other. Never, never. Mm-hmm. And just I think all those things from watching different TV shows and yeah. what have you, you know, they kind of brainwash you. Yeah. <laughs> and you think, hmm. and then it was always, I always wanted someone to be like a father to you. Yeah. You know, once you came along, that was always my thing. Oh my God, I don't want Justin to be alone, but I don't want him to be with his dad. You know, there's gotta be somebody. And that was always like a fear for me, mm-hmm. you know, cause 
I knew there would be things or times that I wouldn't be able to do for you like yeah. a man could. Right. Yeah, I so. mean, I, I only ask because I used to fear being alone too. Um, but for me, I feared being alone because whenever I was, I'd have all these thoughts and I'd be hard on myself. I could fall into a state of depression. I would complain about what I didn't have, you know, and so I would fill my time with distractions instead of just healing or changing or um, trying to do the things that I knew I needed to do. I just kept putting them off. And I just wonder if if that was any of it for you, because that's why I feared being alone. That's why I was always around people, whether it was women, friends, et cetera. I'd always have distractions and I would never just sit with the hard look in the mirror of like, I need to change some things. If I'm ever going to get what I really want out of life, if I'm ever going to receive what I deserve and I desire, then I'm going to have to make some serious changes. But back then I just, I never really wanted to. And I, I remember that. You know, growing up, I, I knew early on that you couldn't be alone um, mm-hmm. a lot. And I now that I'm older, I can, you know, ask and then process and conceptualize why that was. And so, you know, but it's so funny and ironic that you and I shared the same thoughts when, you know, you were younger. I was younger, which was watching TV, these family shows. Oh, I just I just want that. I want that. I would crave it. So would you. Um, you could never be alone and you always wanted, um, you know, a partner, same thing, but I would get into these relationships with a desperate mentality because I was so afraid of being alone a lot like you. Right. And even though then when it would come around, say they would start out good and then it would come around, would start to be like, can you do this? Can you do that? Can you do this? Can you do that? I still accepted it. And then I would do it. Yeah. And then I felt wait a minute, what if I say I'm not going to do this no more? What's going to happen? They're going to leave. But me. I was afraid to. That they would leave. Because I was, was afraid they would leave. Exactly. Wow. Which a couple times. They did. They did. <laughs> yeah. Yes, they did. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's it's really interesting to know all these things about you, about your childhood, about your upbringing, your relationship, romantic life experiences. Even stories about me uh, when I was younger. Um, it's all really helpful. And like I said, the main, um, you know, reason why I was really wanting to have this conversation because I don't know what's going on, but like the last year or two, I've really thought about like death way more often. I never. I used to think I was going to live forever when I was in like my twenties. Um, and I don't know what's happening, but I'm, I'm really thinking about, um, dying and more so, and more so, um, what I'll leave behind, you know, it's more about a legacy for me. It's what I'm really focused on. And so when I thought about having you on, um, it actually sparked because I had a consultation um, with one of my clients and we were talking her relationship with her mom is similar to ours. And it's easy for me to help her with, you know, maybe you should go this route and try to have a conversation with her about this, understand her childhood, which you'll understand, um, you'll understand her more. And I thought I need to do this more, you know, with you. And so that's how it all kind of came to mind. And I just remember thinking, I don't know when I'm going to check out. I don't know when you're going to check out. And I just want to have these conversations because 
per what you said about, you know, how scared you were in that hospital right before your surgery in 2017, um, that was by far the worst thing I've ever seen, which was when I first saw you in the hospital laying in your bed with what seemed to be a million tubes in you and on your arms, in your mouth, uh, all these machines, and you were out, cold, out. And I remember when I saw you, I was so sad, but I remember thinking, how is this you? How is this my mom? I mean, for the majority of my life, I have viewed you as superwoman. And when I saw you there laying there, I'm like, this can't be Superwoman, you know? And worst of all, I couldn't do anything about it, which drove me crazy. Um, and I just, from that moment on, I just remember thinking, I can't take her for granted. I, I can't take her time here for granted. Um, I need to have these conversations more. Um, the other main reason to have this was because if anyone is listening or watching and you don't have the greatest relationship with your parents, um, a sibling, a, a whatever, we don't know when it's going to be our end date. Life is too short. I'm not sure what happened. I'm not sure what was said or how you felt. But for me, what helps, you only get one mom. You only get one dad. As hard as it can be sometimes, as frustrating as it can be sometimes, you only get one. And I realized that the hard way with that experience when you were in the hospital that time saying goodbye to you when I was in New York and you were in Chicago, um, I realized that with my dad through my oldest brother, Marquise, who also watches, um, who's really helped me with my relationship with my dad because he he broke that down to me. He's like, J.D., look, I'm not trying to tell you what type of relationship to have with Pops, but we only get one. And I know you can learn a lot from him, even if it's from his mistakes. And that really reframed my thought process with him, with my dad. And um, so, again, if anyone is listening or watching and you guys are, are thinking you're going through some stuff, uh, take this as a sign. You need to reach out. Be the bigger person. Um, when you forgive someone, it helps you more than it helps the person. Well... I know. <laughs> I know. I, I know that that was a tough one to watch and listen to. Necessary again, as I said earlier. Um, but again, it was just so healing. You know, again, you know, my mom and I really kind of laid some stuff out there and were moved to tears. And I meant what I said in the episode that maybe this was meant for you to hear. Maybe this was meant for you to reach out to your parents or reach out to someone that you haven't talked to in a while that you truly miss. And if you can set the pride and the ego to the side, just be vulnerable and transparent and honest with yourself, um, make the call or show up, you know. So I know this helped out a lot of people. Again, it definitely helped out my mom and I. And I'm looking forward to everyone seeing part two, which 
maybe even deeper than part one. So again, that'll come out next week. But from now until then, have an amazing rest of your week. Let me know what you think in the comments below or the review on Apple podcast. And I just, uh, I really appreciate you all for allowing me to have this platform. And, you know, yet again, you were like a fly on the wall this week. And uh, this one was literally hit home, like pun intended. So hope you enjoyed it. I'll see you all next week. Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.